All right, if you will tonight, go with us to the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation, chapter number 19, please. Now, we've been in uh, the last days for some time. We are going through our statement of faith, or have been for several months. And, uh, well, I, I guess probably six months, seven months, something like that. And uh, we're dealing with the last days and uh, just a lot of things that that, uh, that phrase encompasses a lot of things and a lot of time. And so we're just trying to go through this uh, good and easy as the Lord shows us some things and try to break it down. And we're going to continue right here till we get done. When we get done, we'll move on to something else. All right, the Lord's been dealing with our heart. Uh, about the book of Romans and a few other things, so we may uh, we may get into that, but we're going to take our time here. Uh, we haven't got into the tribulation period yet. Um, there's a whole lot that that uh, encompasses, but I'm not going to be here for the tribulation period, and uh, I am going to deal with that. But I'm I'm wanting to deal primarily with where we're going to be and what's going on with us as the church in this time frame. All right. And so uh, I'm not omitting or bypassing or trying to get around the tribulation period, but I'm not wanting to hang out there right now. I'm, I, there's so much that that encompasses that, that may be a, some Wednesday nights all of its own, all right? So we're going to get there, but uh, we're, we're not there yet, all right? So Revelation chapter number 19, I'm going to read uh, starting in verse number 7 and uh, probably read <laughs> down to verse number uh, 10. And then try to give you the thought the Lord's laid on our heart. All right, Revelation chapter number 19, starting in verse number 7. The Bible says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. I'm going to pause right here for just a minute because I need to clarify something. You and I aren't righteous, right? And the righteousness that we have, we have through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Right? So you would agree with me that uh, what we are, we are by the grace of God. We're saved by the grace of God. My sanctification is positional with the Lord Jesus Christ because the blood has been applied. So I'm arrayed and will be arrayed in fine linen because of him, not because of me. But the Bible said in verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself Ready? How in the world did the wife make herself ready? The clothes was everything the wife is. The wife is because of uh, the one that we are a spouse to, the church, right? The fact of the matter is you're saved here because you made a decision. And I'm saved here because of the decision that I made. Now, I couldn't have made the decision. It done me any good at all if Jesus hadn't have come. But everything Jesus done, understand, wasn't, uh, wasn't going to do nothing for me if I didn't accept it. And so you'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb and I'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb because I made myself ready and you made yourself ready. Amen. So the Bible says here in verse number eight, and he saith unto me, write, 
Uh, Blessed are they which are called under the marriage supper of the Lamb. Isn't that amazing? John was told to write this. He says, write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Aren't we blessed today? Aren't you blessed today? He said, and he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of the, thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of Prophecy, Heavenly Father, we ask you now that you'd help us as we look at these portions of Scripture about the marriage supper of the Lamb. I pray you'd guard my lips of clay, help me to write and divide the word of truth. I pray you'd enlighten the hearer, put a holy hush upon you people. Father, I pray that for just a little while we've come into the house of God to hear from your word, that it might help us. We know that it will. Your word will not return to you void, but will accomplish that word until you send it. And I thank you for that great truth. Help us now, we pray. We're trusting you to help us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We dealt with the judgment seat of Christ on last Wednesday night. And we looked at Revelation 22 at the conclusion uh, of the revelation that was given unto John and seen that Jesus was coming with rewards, right? And we established the following, uh, uh, the rapture of the church. We established that following the rapture of the church that the church would be judged, right? And directly following uh, this event of the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to run into the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to explain all that to you here, but if we look here chronologically at Revelation chapter number 19, verse number 11 is showing us the onset of the second coming of Christ. Now, not the rapture. The rapture's already taken place by this time, but in Revelation chapter number 19, verse number 11, we're talking about the second coming of Christ, and he brings the church with him, right? We found that out in these verses of Scripture. But, but before we come into the second coming of Christ, uh, we see the marriage of the Lamb here in verses number 7 through verses number 10. Can I say to you that the marriage supper of the Lamb, Brother Shane, will transpire prior to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now let me ask you something. What else comes between the rapture and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? What are we not dealing with as of yet? The tribulation period. Now that's going to be important in just a little while because we're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb and something else is going to be going on, but you and I are not going to be part of it. All right? Now there's a lot of people that get caught up in this book of Revelation and they get sideways and they assume that things are different than what they are. Everybody's got a lot of different denominations, have a lot of different opinions, but I'm going to uh, hopefully as we look into this marriage supper of the Lamb, I'm going to strengthen your, I'm not going to, but the Lord, if, if he'll help me, will strengthen your belief in the fact that you will not be in the tribulation period. All right, so we're going to look at that. And, uh, uh, and I'm not here to try to pick at uh, scabs or make anybody uh, uh, worried or concerned or nothing like that, but, but the Bible is the truth, and we're going to stick with the Bible, not what somebody thinks because what somebody else told them uh, in days gone by. I find a lot of people in their beliefs, and, and, and the whole point in this on Wednesday night is to strengthen us in knowing why we believe what we believe, right? How many people do you run across in today, uh, today that believe a certain way, but if you get right down to the root of it and ask them, well, why do you believe that way? They can't tell you. They cannot give you a, a biblical reason. They can say, well, I was raised that way. Well, I, I was raised a lot of ways, wasn't you? I mean, there's a lot of things. Just because you've seen it done don't mean you do it, right? 
And so what I'm saying to you is this, we gotta take the Bible, right? Let God be true and every man a liar. So we're gonna try to look at that tonight and not just believe something because somebody told us something one time or because mama or mama or papa or great grandma and grandpa believed it. We're trying to figure out what the Bible says here, right? So we see here that uh, we ended by emphasizing that he comes back wearing crowns because of us, right? We, we emphasize Jesus is coming back here in Revelation chapter number 11 and he's coming back and he's wearing some crowns. And we found out that, that he's coming and, and uh, he's wearing his crowns because at the judgment seat, we understand that we were given some rewards because the Bible says in Revelation 22, he brought the rewards with him when he come to rapture the church, all right? And so... Uh, as understanding that he's wearing crowns because of us and we come back uh, in, in white in fine linen because of him, right? What we come back in, what we're wearing is because of him. So how do you know? He says in Isaiah 1 18, come now let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Psalms 51 7 says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Revelation 1, 5 says, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We are wearing what we're wearing. We're white, we're clean. We're in these clothes because of what he done for us. But the crowns he's wearing, he's wearing because of what we done for him after we got saved by the marvelous grace of God. For we understand the judgment seat of Christ is not a matter of judging whether or not you're gonna be saved because if you're saved, that's why you're at that judgment, right? Okay, so having said that, following the judgment seat of Christ, comes the marriage supper of the Lamb. We understand here, if we look at this, that after the rapture of the church, there is a seven-year tribulation period. Following the end of the seven-year tribulation period, we get into Revelation chapter 19, verse number 11. We find Jesus Christ uh, is coming back, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's bringing the church with him, right? So we've got a spot here between the rapture of the church and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with the church that we're gonna fill in the blanks here, right? We're not got into the tribulation period yet, but we understand that the marriage of the Lamb comes before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it has to come after the rapture. So we're finding a placement for the marriage supper of the Lamb between the rapture of the church and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not my intent to get an argument with you tonight Only if it's in the beginning of those seven years, the end of those seven years, I'm, that's not my point. We'll get there, but we're not there yet. I'm gonna make a point if I can, if the Lord would help us here. So if we consider this in chronological order, it becomes evident very quickly that the marriage supper of the Lamb uh, transpires between the rapture of the church and prior to the second phase of the second coming where Jesus Christ is coming uh, to fight in the battle of Armageddon to establish rule and reign and rule and reign on the throne of David from Jerusalem, all right? So understanding that, I want you to notice something, if you will. Revelation nineteen seven says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is cut. So the marriage of the lamb hasn't come until this stage right here. Well now, wait a minute. I thought we was a spouse to the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought husbands were to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Do we not preach, Brother Marvin, like uh, when we look at what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, that, that we are lacking our relationship as the church in this grace dispensation? Not in the kingdom age, not during the tribulation period, but right now, in this dispensation, in the church age, we're likening the church and the relationship of the church to that of the Lord Jesus Christ being a spouse to him, right? We find that parallel in Ephesians chapter number five. That doesn't make sense, does it? 
How is it possible that, that, it, that it be that way if we're not even in this time period here in Revelation chapter number 19. The marriage hasn't come according to Revelation chapter 19. Oh, but we got to understand a little bit about how marriage works here. And we got to look at what the Bible has to say about it. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to call your attention for just a minute to John chapter number two uh, as we try to lay the foundation and get into the meat of this tonight. John chapter number two, you'll know and you do know, I'm sure, uh, that this is the very first miracle in which the Lord Jesus Christ performs, all right? And we understand that this very first miracle that the Lord Jesus Christ performs is that of, of, of producing wine, if you will, for the marriage at Cana. So the first thing I want you to notice, there was refreshments at the marriage at Cana, all right? And they had run out of wine. The Bible says in verse number one, in the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now I want to say this. Jesus adds something to a marriage that nobody else can add. Amen. We find something being added right here into this ceremony that you don't find anybody else able to do. Jesus will always add something to a marriage that no one else can add. All right. And he says here, his mother saith unto uh, the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear it to the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, um, but the servants which drew the water knew it, the governor of the feast called the bridegrooms. Now listen, you'll hear it said uh, on occasion that people say, well, you know, Jesus didn't want to do this. But Jesus didn't have a choice but to do this. I mean, he was put on the spot, but Jesus really didn't want to turn the water into wine. When I want you to understand something here, we understand that the Bible represents, wine represents to us in the word of God, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he give uh, of the cup, he give of his blood that was going to be shed on Mount Calvary. He give that at the last supper to the disciples, right? So at the last supper, uh, we understand here that the, the, the bread was broken, which was his body, and the, and the cup was given, the fruit of the vine as we know it, uh, the, the cluster of the grape. You understand the grape had to be mashed, and because that grape was mashed, the fluid from that grape come into the cup, and it was taken, and it represented the, the, the body being mashed to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fruit of his body being mashed, something come out of it. What was that? It was blood. Isn't it interesting here that we're looking at a marriage supper of the Lamb? Now, you understand here in just a few verses over, he's going to be known as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? But right now he's known as the Lamb. When John's writing and he's seeing this revelation, he's not seeing Jesus necessarily in the light of King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but he's looking at him as the Lamb. Now, we can see him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords because we first seen him as the Lamb. Thank the Lord for that, right? But it's interesting, the very first miracle that the Lord does he, he was resistant to do a miracle, but the very first miracle that he does, he does showing something. That's interesting to me, the first miracle he does, he, he's at a marriage, and he turns water into wine, and he does something nobody else can do. We're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, partaking of, 
uh, of this meal because the Lord done something that nobody else could do. His very first representation and the very first miracle that he done is representing something to you and to me. And it's the blood. It's the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood. Listen, it's the blood that's going to get us where we need to be for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so it's interesting that, that the Revelation 19, John is seeing this Lamb. And we know that, that Revelation 19, 7 is emphasizing this marriage as being the marriage of what? The Lamb. The Lamb, right? Isaiah 53 says he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Now, we've mentioned before the sheep does two things. The sheep's more than just for meat, but the sheep also clothes, Right? Now, it's not just any kind of clothing that we find that, that uh, the Bible is referencing here uh, in Isaiah 1 and 18. It says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as what? Wool. Not cotton. We're not talking about, we're not talking about hanging shirts here. We're talking, about, we're talking about wool. Right? All right, so what are you getting at? I'm saying it's, this lamb has a twofold purpose. This lamb died, this lamb shed his blood, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He gave his body, his body was broken and he bled. And that blood was offered, right? But the Bible says he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And we understand here that uh, this lamb give, give his life, not only that the blood would be shed that we could be safe, but, but died that we might be clothed. A lamb, we understand, is sheared. We've made that remark before. And Jesus, when he died on Calvary, they took his garments from him. And we understand that he's going to come back in Revelation 19, starting in verse number 11, clothed a certain way. And we're coming clothed a certain way, right? But we understand here that the Bible says in Revelation chapter number 19, in verse number 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. There's a representation of what this Lamb has to offer. Clean white wool. Clothing that you and I are going to wear as we see in Revelation chapter number 11 down through verse number 16. The Bible says that, and his wife hath made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Now it's interesting to me here, you can look at Matthew chapter number 22 and find here that the, you need the proper clothing if you're going to be at the marriage. We go to go with me to, to Matthew chapter number twenty two for just a second. Show you something here real quick before we get into the rest of this. Matthew chapter number twenty two, verse number eleven. The Bible says here. Let's start in verse number uh, nine, if you will. <clears throat> Verse number nine says, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. My point is this. If we don't go through Jesus Christ, we're the same as a thief and a robber. Isn't it amazing what was on each side of Jesus Christ when he was dying on Calvary? Thieves and robbers, right? One went through Jesus and would be with him in paradise that day. 
and the other would not, and that man died and went to hell as a thief and as a robber, because if you don't go through Jesus, you won't be wearing the right kind of clothes when you get to the wedding, so to speak, right? You understand what I'm saying? All right, so having said that, we find that uh, there's a proper clothing that has to be worn, and only Jesus can provide the wedding garment, amen? All right, so we hear, see here, I'm interested in John 3 and 28, where the Bible says, understanding John is speaking to his disciples, he says, ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Now, a lot of people want to get crossed up when you start talking about uh, the marriage, and it, whether it's to Israel or whether it's to the church. But I want you to understand something. We're finding here that the Lord Jesus Christ has not come back and set up his millennial reign. When we see the marriage supper of the Lamb, you're not seeing the marriage supper of the Lamb until or prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to set up his kingdom, but after he's raptured the church. It's fallen in that window. Who's, who's been called out during that time frame? The church. This marriage isn't to Israel. We're finding in Revelation 19. This marriage is to the church. The born again believer that's accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. John here is talking about what, what, what a wonderful thing it is to see the bridegroom as the bridegroom takes the bride. All right? And so we're, we're looking here. We understand uh, this, this idea uh, of marriage in these days are probably a little different than what you and I consider marriage and the ceremonies in which take place uh, when, when a man marries a woman. So how do you know that? Turn with me to Matthew chapter number one. We'll just go back and look at Jesus' mother for just a moment. Matthew chapter number one. Bible says something that's very key to understanding uh, how marriage uh, was, was taking place uh, in those days. Now, you can read history and look at history, and a lot of men were not married, Brother Marvin, until 17, 18 years old. Jewish boys were not married, but you'll find that most girls were married by the age of 13 years old. All right, so the natural changes in the body really constituted, if you will, the age in which people got married, right? And that's why we have emphasized in the past, and the Bible says, tramp a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. You're, we're not talking about waiting to raise our children until they're 18 years old. We're not talking about correcting our children until they're big enough and old enough to beat you in the eyeballs. We're talking about raising children from the time that their baby's on up because by the time a child reaches adolescence, they're getting pretty well set in their ways. And you got trouble on your hands if you're going to wait till the kid's 13, 14 years old to start teaching and correcting that child in the right way. All right, so we, we understand that. I don't know how I got there, but Matthew chapter number one and verse number 18 says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, did you notice that Mary was espoused to Joseph? But we find out this is before they came together. They had not known one another in the biblical sense of the word, right? They had not discovered one another physically. And so having said that, something was wrong here in Joseph's eyes. We got problems. We understand that he sought to put her away privily, right? He didn't want to make a, a scene out of her or a mockery out of her, but something wasn't right. What was it? They, by law, Brother Marvin, were together. 
They by law were a spouse to one another. There was a betrothal that caused them by the law to be bound together. If Joseph were to walk away from Mary, he would have had to literally, Brother Marvin, divorce her in order to do that. But we find that they had not known one another. Why? Because there had not been a marriage ceremony. So she was by law his and he was by law hers, but they had not known one another. The marriage had not been consummated for there had not been a marriage ceremony yet at that time. All right, so there's still a time of separation. Is starting to make sense to you just yet? We've been betrothed. We've been a spouse to that of the Lord Jesus Christ. But guess what? We haven't gone home with him yet. He hasn't come and guide us yet. And when he does, friend, there's gonna be a celebration like you have never witnessed and like I have never witnessed before. And what we have, we're gonna have because he has given it to us. Amen? All right. And so the Bible says here, now the birth of Jesus Christ is on the wise when as his mother Mary was spouse of Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So they were legally bound to one another at this time, but no ceremony had taken place. The marriage had not been consummated. Ephesians 5.25 says, husband loves your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So we're finding out that this, this uh, matter of the Lord Jesus Christ in the church parallels that of the husband-wife relationship and that picture of the home, all right? Now you understand here that John 8 and 44, go with me there for just a minute. Let me show you something. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John 8, 44. We were here just the other day, but John chapter number eight. Let's go to uh, verse 38. It says, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. Now we understand when we got saved, we were adopted into the family of God, wherefore we cry, Abba, Father, right? All right, so here we, say, here we go on. It says verse 39, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. He sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do, he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. So we're talking how those that have not accepted Christ would not take him at his word, would not believe what he said, were of their father the devil, right? I'd say to you today that there's a whole lot of people walking around this earth today that do not call God their father, but they allow their father the devil to control their every move. All right. So as we consider that, you need to understand here that, uh, but God is our father now, right? Okay. So go with me to Matthew chapter number 22. This will make sense in a minute. Just hold tight. All right. 
Matthew chapter number 22. Let's start in verse number 29. The Bible said, Jesus answered said unto them, You do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. There's a lot of folk today err because they do not know the scriptures, okay? But we're looking at the scriptures here and we're fixing to look at something. The Sadducees have came to Jesus and tried to talk to him about men dying and remarrying and which one would be his wife at the resurrection, okay? And I understand Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection, all right? And because the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection, they're trying to trip the Lord Jesus Christ up. And so because of that, there's, and we know there's a lot of people that's tripped up today because they don't understand. They err, right? Jesus says something to them that's amazing. He says here in Matthew 22, verse number 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. In other words, there, there's, not, there's, not, there's no marriage in heaven between me and someone else or my wife or someone else or Brother Shane or someone else or Sister Pam or someone else, when we, get, when we, when we come up out of this earth and we meet the Lord in the air, we're not going to be given in marriage. Why? Because we're going to be espoused to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that we've been on this earth has been a picture of what's going to take place when we are given to that of the Lord Jesus Christ in marriage, right? We're espoused as the church on that day at the marriage supper of the Lamb while the tribulation period is happening, you and I are that are espoused of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're gonna be in a marriage ceremony. I'm not gonna be thinking about who I wanna marry or the woman that I was married to on earth or might I get married someday, none of that stuff. I'm gonna be thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ and you are too. It's going to be a magnificent, wonderful time to be in the presence of God and to know what we were, yet what he paid for us and what he done for us to have us there. So that'll be a celebration. And that celebration, it'll be us and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? All right. So now let me say this to you. Because Joseph wasn't allowed to go home with Mary and Mary wasn't allowed to go home with Joseph, we understand that this betrothal period had not come to an end and the ceremony had not come up yet, right? All right, so Jesus Christ, we're in this betrothal period. He, we're his by, by covenant, right? I'm his and he is mine and it doesn't break. Joseph would have had to divorce Mary. God, Jesus would have to divorce the church today. He didn't come and die to come back on his word. We couldn't be saved apart from him. It took him. We were never good enough to have him. We'll not be good enough to have him now. I'm not his because I was good enough. I'm wearing the clothes because I come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? All right. There's no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ, right? All right. So we understand that. And, and, and the Bible says here, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. There'll be no earthly marriage in heaven because we're going to be espoused to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is interesting because um, the Bible says here, now, I want you to think about something real quick. Brother Isaac was teaching Sunday school the other morning, and he brought up 1 Samuel chapter number 8. And I, I considered what he said about Israel. You know, Israel didn't want what God wanted. Israel didn't want to put, give God the preeminence. Uh, didn't want to give God the leadership role. Didn't want to keep God in God's rightful place. They wanted a king, Right? And so they put a man in place where God should have been. And, and we understand, and see, when you start, look, when you start encompassing the whole Bible, 
things start making sense on a, on a larger, grander scale. For, for people that do not believe that Jesus will literally rule and reign for a thousand years on this earth, they're, they're missing the point. And that point is this, Jesus was, or God was, was turned away. Israel turned away from God, said we don't want what God wants, we want a king. Let a man rule over us. But we understand Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, which means what? He became a man. And Jesus is going to rule and reign on this physical earth in his physical body. And he's going to be the son of God, king of kings and lord of lords. And he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem because he gets the final say, right? We've seen that last Wednesday night. But I want you to notice this. 2 Peter chapter number 3 says, Whereby the world that was then being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now. Now I want you to notice that. This ball that hangs in the universe called earth, it's not gone. It didn't leave when God flooded this earth. But the earth as it was then is not the earth as it is now. God destroyed the face of this earth when he flooded the earth. And, and I'm not going to get into this geographically with you or try to get scientific on you, but you just go back and look at your map and put that puzzle piece back together. Take the, take the globe, look at the continents, and shove the puzzle pieces back together. They fit. That's right. You understand what I'm saying to you? God done something when he flooded this earth. Your Grand Canyon didn't happen over millions and millions of years. Amen. The hand of God was in that, okay? And so what I'm getting at is, here it says, or by the world that was then being overflowed with water perished, gone. The world as it was known before Noah got on that ark was different when he got off of it. All right? Said in the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So what is now isn't looking like what it was then. Things are different. You can read in your Bible, Brother Marvin, and you'll find dinosaurs in the Word of God. You see any running around today? What happened? The floods, what happened? Some things happened. Things are different now. All right? So here's what I'm, here's what I'm getting. And don't look at me like I'm crazy. You look it up. There's dinosaurs in the Word of God. All right? So what are you saying here? I'm saying the Bible says in Matthew 24 and 38, for as in the days that were before the flood, what was happening? Go with me to Matthew 24. We ain't going to be long now. Just bear with me, all right? Matthew chapter number 24, verse number 38. For as in the days that were before the flood, what was the flood about? We know the flood was about judgment, right? We understand that the thoughts of people were evil continually. I mean, everywhere God looked, it was just evil, 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 evil. And so God decides that he's going to pass judgment upon this earth. So much so that the earth as it was then isn't as the earth is now. God changed things. Now we know God's going to change things again. This earth's going to melt with a fervent heat. I don't care what J. Vernon McGee says. It's going to melt because the Bible says it's going to melt. All right, and so here's what I'm saying to you. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. 
Now, Noah got into the ark because the judging hand of God was coming upon this earth. You understand that? He's not going to flood this earth again, but he's going to destroy it by fire and it's going to melt with a fervent heat. The world that was then being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved in the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Say, preacher, you've switched gears on us. Where are you getting at? I'm saying they disregarded God and up until judgment uh, showed up, the world, before the judgment showed up and the world was destroyed, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And the Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Every ringing of the hammer, every witness, every word, Noah tried to get people to get on board the ark and take it seriously that the judgment of God was coming. Today, people are still trying to reach a lost and dying world, warn them that judgment's coming, and because man's never seen it before uh, on this fashion, they don't believe it's coming. Now, you and I know the long-suffering hand of God is the reason that he has not come back yet, but there's still a day out there when he is coming. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. When God says to Jesus, you go get your bride, he's coming. The betrothal will be over. We'll be headed to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It won't take seven years to do it. Why? Because we find that in the Jewish culture, when the, when the husband that was a spouse to the wife went and got the wife, friend, the ceremony took place. Then the marriage was consummated. All right? Now, I'm not even gonna, I might blow your mind. A lot of times it took five to seven days for that to even completely come to fruition. Now, you figure out how many days are a thousand is a thousand is one day. Here's what I'm saying to you, though. The Bible says here that for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark. All right, now what's going to happen after the, the Lord raptures the church out? The tribulation period begins. And it begins for seven years. At the end of seven years, the Lord Jesus Christ comes back with his bride and he fights in the battle of Armageddon. We're arrayed in white linen on white horses, riding with him, right? And he sets up his millennial kingdom in the kingdom age, and that's where he rules and reigns for a thousand years. All right? What's going to be happening in the tribulation period? There are going to be a lot of people screaming, hollering, crying for the rocks to fall, wishing they could hide from the wrath of God. Things are going to be awful in the tribulation period, but the shame unlike anything the world's ever paid any attention or ever known. But guess who's not going to be in the tribulation period? Me and you. Why? Because we're going to be busy. And you know what we're going to be busy doing? We're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, Brother Shane. All the hollering and the screaming ain't going to do nothing. Why? Because we're going to be giving in marriage and eating and drinking and enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb. You see how the Lord has the final say in everything? You see how that the, the children of Israel would not listen to God in 1 Samuel chapter number 8. They wanted a king. God said, I'll give you a king. But at the end of it all, you're still going to listen to me. You're still going to listen to my son. It's still going to happen. I'm still going to have, I'm still going to have the final say. And right here we see the judgment of God upon this earth. No one would hear Noah, that preacher of righteousness. No matter how much he talked, no matter how much he worked, no matter how big the boat got, they just laughed the more. 
But you know what's going to be happening when the tribulation period comes? We're going to be focused on him. And he's going to be focused on us. And it's going to be a day where we're glad that we got saved by his marvelous grace, that we're wearing those white clothes, those, that fine linen, and enjoying that supper that no one else can eat of but you and me. And while we're marrying and give, being given in marriage and we're eating and drinking, this world's going to wish they had accepted him as their personal Lord and Savior. So here's what I'm saying to you, and I'll be done tonight. Prior to Jesus entering the world by fire, there will be a period where people are crying out to him, but he'll be busy marrying. Now, what's God do? God's the Father, right? God's the Father. Do you know in Jewish culture, the Father would send the Son to go get the bride? And then when the father sent the son to go get the bride, they left home and became one. And here's what I want you to understand today. Jesus Christ has been a spouse of the church, but he hasn't come got her yet. But when he does, we understand that we're going to be with him. The ceremony is going to take place. It's going to be official. The marriage will have been consummated. We'll be with him. And that's why the Bible says where he is, there we will be also. You, you do understand today that a man that gets married to his wife and a woman that gets married to a man, it's not such that the man spends all of his time with his buddies all the time. And the wife's out always with her buddies all the time. But where I'm at, you're going to find my wife. And where my wife's at, you're going to find me. Why? Because we're together. We're one. We're in a relationship together. Where he goes, he's going to take me with him. You know why? Because we've been separated. Now, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells on the inside. But I mean physically, there's separation. Not spiritually, praise God. But one of these days, physically, I'm going to have a glorified body. You understand that? I'm going to be able to do things in that glorified body I cannot do now. And for an eternity, I'm going to be with him enjoying that marriage, that closeness. So you understand, that's what, that's what this is all about anyway, separation. That's what caused this whole problem. Was sin brought separation. But God sent Jesus to close the gap. And the father's going to send the son and say, you go get the bride. And when he does, we're going to get through the judgment period, friend. We're going to give him what's rightfully his. And we're going to celebrate the foreverness of no separation with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I want you to notice this. We understand that a, that a wife cleaves into the husband. And the husband cleaves into the wife and they become one flesh, right? You realize, you know how come Paul said that he could be poor yet have all things? Because everything you and I have, we have because of that marriage. Now let me say this to you. Whatever Marvin Titlow had when he married Miss Tammy became Miss Tammy's. And whatever Miss Tammy brought to the marriage, when they got married, it became Brother Marvin's. And I'll tell you this right now, if I were to divorce my wife and go before a judge... The judge would not allow me to separate from my wife by the shame of what he didn't split what I had right down the middle. You know why? Because she's entitled to as much as I am. Let that sink into you, friend. You wasn't worth nothing. Hellbound sinner on your way to the devil's hell. But now you possess all things. Why? Because you're married, a spouse, betrothed to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You know what happened, friend? I'm married into a pretty wealthy family. 
I married into a pretty wealthy family and now I possess all things. I was nothing. I was like that woman that was black and, 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 and burnt by the sun in the Song of Solomon. Yet everything she was, she was because of the one that she was married to. You and I don't have anything. Sometimes we may, we may come down to nothing even on this side of eternity, but we possess all things. Why? Because who I am a spouse to. Everything the Lord has is mine. Everything, that get, I wish you could get that just tonight. Everything he is, everything he has, you just married into, friend. And it don't matter what you was doing with or doing without, it all doesn't matter because now you're a part of a relationship. You're a spouse to not a king, but the king of kings. Not a lord, but the lord of lords. Friend, you are a spouse to the top end of it all. You're a spouse to the Lord Jesus Christ. So there'll be a tribulation period where people are crying, wishing for the rocks to fall. But you and I, just like uh, they were in the judging days of Noah before the flood came, were giving in marriage, eating and drinking and having a good time. And I'm glad to know that when this seven years of tribulation sets in on this world, I'm going to be eating and drinking and having a good time enjoying my time with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why you won't be given in marriage to, or you won't have an earthly marriage in heaven? You're not going to have time for it. Why? Because now you've been a spouse to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is very real today. When you start comparing Scripture to Scripture and you start looking at what uh, the, the negligence and the a lack of respect that's been given to that of the Lord. Listen, God sent his son. And this world mocks at that. Amen. They make light of it. You, know, you go back and you read uh, that parable about the, the marriage supper or the marriage feast in the Gospels of Matthew. The Bible says that one went to check on his farm and the other went to check on his possessions and they made light of the marriage. That's the, listen, your King James Bible says they made light of it. Those words. You know what's happening today? A lot of people's making a lot of things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to get heavy. It's going to get heavy fast. Because when it, at the end of it all, Jesus is going to have the final say. We think we're in control. Listen, our government thinks they're in control. They th- do you, did you hear me? They think they're in control. Our president thinks he's got it all lined out. Have you looked at our country lately? Have you looked at our world lately? Jesus ain't popped a sweat. God ain't wrung his hands one time. You know why? Because he already knows the outcome. There's peace, Brother Shane, in knowing that this thing's going to wind up the way it is. And I don't know what's going to happen in that tribulation period fully. You don't either. We're going to study it out and look at it. But I praise God I ain't going to be here for it. I ain't going to be here to worry about it. Why? Because I'm going to be eating and drinking and giving in marriage and having a good time with the bridegroom. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. We love you. Thank you for this study of these last days. And Lord, I I know a lot of people try to shy away from these last days, but it gives me great comfort to see uh, just what I'm going to miss, but what I'm going to gain. And Lord, I tell you, for everything that people think they're missing down here on this earth, they have no idea what they're missing in heaven. And Lord, I thank you that you died for me, you love me, you care for me, You're going to come back and get me. I'm yours and you're mine. and Nobody can pluck me out of your hand. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I I thank you so very much 
for my salvation. And I pray that if there's one, Lord, that hears this message that's never accepted you in the free pardon of sin, they'd call out on, uh, on your name. They would repent of their sins. They'd get gloriously saved before it's everlasting too late because he that shall come will come and will not tarry. This thing's going to wind up. It's going to be over one day. This world will melt with a fervent heat. Lord, I thank you that I'm going to miss the tribulation period because I'm not going to have to suffer that wrath. We love you. We thank you. Praise you. Give you glory and honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.